This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. Well, welcome to November, gentlemen. I trust Halloween treated your respective households well. I don't see any candy in front of you, but I'm guessing you did your fatherly duties and checked the candy and stole everything from your kids, correct? Just the good ones. Okay. They, they can keep the, the candy corn and all that other crap, but I took all the good candy bars. Yeah, I mean, luckily my kids don't like Almond Joys, and I was like, what's wrong with you? I, yeah, I, I love like the Almond Joy either. Yeah, I know. That's why I clean up on those ones, Butterfingers, all the good stuff that, that they don't want. Yeah, and the, the daddy tax is real in our house. <laughs> I like that. Daddy tax. I'm going to have to use that. Can I, can I, do I have permission to steal that from For you? For sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't originate it, so. All right. I will steal that from you. Uh, by the way, as we... Uh, the Halloween theme, a little bit more trick than treat for the Cardinals in Minnesota as they lose to the Vikings 34-26. The Cardinals did put themselves in position to win. They took themselves out of position to win as well. Before we get some big picture thoughts, how about we hear from the head coach Cliff Kingsbury post game on what will stick out to him the most after that loss. Just some of the crucial situations um, at the end, you know, the two-minute drill, not being able to convert there. We got the crack back block, which, you know, that, that's an emphasis here. We just can't do that and get a 15-yard penalty in that that situation. And then we just got to be more efficient, coaches and players, um, getting the plays in and, and not burning timeouts. Always comes down to a handful of plays, Drew, but there just seemed to be more plays that were not made or missed on Sunday against the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it, it comes down to a two-minute drive a lot, right? And also what you do to end the half, and they did a nice job of that. But to end the game, you have to stay on schedule. You've got to be able to do these things. And I think sometimes some of your greatest assets can to play against you. And when Kyler Scram went around, you're doing all these things, and you don't really know what to do do or you're in a bad position you get caught off guard like you know benjamin did and it's unfortunate because they were driving they were doing all these things uh it's just a matter of going back and trying to correct some of these mistakes but on the opposite side you know minnesota did exactly what they needed to do they they limited their turnovers kirk cousins does not get enough credit for being able to get rid of the football and remain a passer to the last possible second. Sometimes these younger quarterbacks, even on this team, I would argue, he pulls it down too quickly as, as opposed to remaining a passer and getting the ball in playmakers' hands, being able to do all these things. And, and Kirk Cousins just kind of flies under the radar. He didn't, you know, he got sacked a couple times just because of tremendous plays, but he also negated a ton of sacks. He stayed on schedule. He did a tremendous job of putting them in a position to win football game and they came away with the win. And that first possession, Kyle, when you looked at the Cousins' 17-yard touchdown run, he was not a runner. He was in that pocket for quite a while and then scrambled and still was able to find the end zone despite the Cardinals' defense pursuing him. Well, that play and really the throughout the first half, the run game was so leaky, and it wasn't just one issue. It was nobody 
was setting a hard edge. Nobody was keeping uh, the running backs inside. And then there was some gaping holes up the middle as well. You look at, um, it, you know, this team, you know, on top of some of the concerning things that popped up, you know, up to this point, um, this team had played pretty turnover free and played clean football with very few penalties and both of them were a huge factor in this game um but they've also been a bend but don't break but you know giving up five for five touchdowns in the red zone uh they were a break and break defense i mean they the both of the runs touchdown runs both madison and cook were right up the gut with plenty of space i mean it just seemed like we were playing with nine guys on defense for a lot of that game 173 rushing yards allowed by the Cardinals defense. That's a season high. Dalvin Cook accounted for 111 of those yards, plus the touchdown. Again, Cardinals lose in Minnesota 34-26. Defense leaky, but everyone pointing to the offense. It was a big topic of conversation, Kyle, on Cardinal Talk. But let's get Drew Stanton's thoughts on, once again, this team with the play clock ticking down inside of 10, inside of 5, and a timeout needing to be burned, whether it's the call from the sideline or the quarterback taking too much time either in the huddle or relaying the play to the rest of his teammates. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the whole operation, which is an easy cop-out, but at the same time, you know, we would even have a call as a quarterback right here if there's a shift or a motion or something. You break the huddle, and you the first thing you do is you check that play clock. You see what's going on, and you might yell, get in it, get in it, get in it. So you just automatically go. you got to get up and set. There has to be a sense of urgency, and that comes down to the players. Now, sometimes it might be because the play is coming in too quickly, but if you have enough time to get it off or anything that's going on you know you should be able to do that that's on the players and if it's not then I'm sure Cliff recognizes that because he is the play caller and he's got to be able to do it I I also contend it's hard to be able to be the head coach and the play caller when you're wearing both of those hats because there are situational things I know Jeff Rogers is involved in that but at the same time when you're trying to do both of those relay calls in and usually you have somebody in your ear as the play caller saying okay second and three here you know so you know what you want to get to you can do that and you can get your call sheet you can be able to to do what you need to do but then it becomes on the quarterback of saying okay guys we got to get up there we got to do it and, and those valuable timeouts right you don't know what's going to happen especially in the second half right you you've got to be so strategic and making sure you keep those in the really good football teams they value all three of those timeouts because that could come down to being able to stop somebody under a two minute or past the two minute or before a two minute so the strategy changes drastically when you when you lose at least one or two and we've seen it over the course of this season that uh, that's really hurt them at times. We've also saw for the first time this season Kyler wear the wristband on his non-throwing forearm and that was supposed to help at least help things be a little bit more smoother. It didn't work out that way but they're huddling for the first time they're using a wristband now on the quarterback so there's all these new things added to try to make things better. Well the wristband is imperative right? You, you can as opposed to spitting out an entire play call you just say okay flip 23. But if you haven't done it, sometimes it's getting used to doing that. I mean, we used to have these wristband type of meetings the night before the game, and we'd have the call sheet, and you say, okay, just to make sure that it all matched up. Because sometimes, I mean, I, there was numerous times where Carson's finger would slip, and all of a sudden we're in a different formation, and B.A.'s like, what's going on out there? What is this? Or we'd have the wrong wristband. One time that happened, and man, oh man, we started a game in Indianapolis, and we didn't. We had the wrong wristbands, and that quality control guy got cussed out like nobody I've ever seen before. Yes, the operational. Sometimes it's not just on game day. It's the days leading up to Sunday. Here's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, on once again battling the play clock. Trying to huddle with some of these new pieces, you know, new O linemen, new receivers. Um, there's some, some nuances to it that we got to get better at, and uh, we'll keep working through that process. 
Overall, though, Kyle, it's the three turnovers, it's the 10 penalties, it's the bad snap, premature snap, however you want to define it. Billy Price snapped the ball. Kyler Murray wasn't ready for it. The rest of the offensive line wasn't ready for it. But those little things keep adding up, and you're on the wrong end of a 34-26 decision. No, you're exactly right. Um, you know, minus two in the turnovers, that's tough to overcome the National Football League. Um, but, you know, we've talked about this before. Not all penalties are the same, and not all turnovers are the same. I mean, you start the game with a defensive offside be with a team that has try to put an emphasis on coming out fast, playing well in the first quarter. You start the game with a penalty, it's deflating. You come out of the half with back-to-back penalties. Um, you know, you have an opportunity to gain some momentum with your offense starting the second half, and you're starting backed up to your goal line with first and 27 to start the second half, you know. And then, you know, a, a couple of the turnovers, um, you know, there's a lot of criticism on the defense, but the defense gave up, you know, a real short field uh, touchdowns on a couple of those turnovers. So, um, it, you know, it was it was circumstances and when they happened. Because, you know, other than the minus two turnovers, you look at the stats, the Minnesota Vikings didn't dominate the Cardinals. They dominated the line of scrimmage, but the Cardinals were competitive, made big plays when they had to make plays, kept themselves alive, and gave themselves an opportunity. But it's just those crucial mistakes that keep popping up at crucial moments in the game. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, it's it's for different reasons with different people. But, um, you know, at this point in the season, you would hope that the execution would be much smoother. Same things keep popping up with this team eight games into the regular season. Kyler Murray on the self-inflicted nature of Sunday's loss. It sucks. Obviously, you know, it's uh, losing that one, man. It just felt like, you know, self-inflicted again, you know, so it, it will be better. It will be better. Um, it's a good team, but, you know, felt like felt like we played well. Just, you know, a couple, couple of mishaps, a couple of mistakes here uh, cost us. A lot of frustration in that locker room post game. You could hear it in players' voices as they addressed reporters. And again, this team right now, three and five, two games under 500 with three crucial games ahead coming up all against the NFC West, which we'll touch on a little bit later on here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Siki, your ticket to great seats. But again, the mistakes, the issues that keep popping up. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury asked about that as well. We got to get better, and we know that, and it keeps rearing its head. These these big deficits, trying to overcome them, um, you can't sustain that uh, week in and week out. And we got to find a way to, to start faster and play at a higher level uh, to begin the game. Sense of urgency certainly needs to pick up, Drew. But it sounds like from some of the post game conversation, it's got to pick up like now, like today. Meaning the work that goes into game day, whether it's getting your rehab, getting the play the uh, games, the uh, uh, playbook, and then practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, your walkthrough on Saturday, whatever it is, to get ready for Sunday. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this is a theme across the NFL. This isn't just this team that's sitting there scratching their heads and saying, okay, how can we figure this out? And this is a very close uh, league, right? The margin of error is so small. And it's not about playing well in spurts. It's about playing well for fourth quarters or playing well when you need to play your best football. They just haven't done that yet. That doesn't mean that they can't. Um, You sit there and you 
you try and find answers. I think of back to Buda Baker early in the year saying everybody's got to do a little bit more. And that means different things for different people. That means being accountable to your teammates. That means knowing what you need to do to be a better version of yourself than you were last week. And they have not done that yet. I mean, you look at some of this veteran presence that they have right now. That's also what's been disconcerting is that some of these veteran guys that you're relying on to be able to do that in crucial moments aren't doing what they should be doing. Or even more than that, they're making the same mistake twice. That can't happen in this league. Good football teams identify mistakes, they correct those mistakes, and they don't let those same mistakes happen again. And unfortunately, when you play against a good running football team and you can capture the edge, as Kyle was talking about, that's all an offense is trying to do. If you can run outside, it opens up everything in that playbook because now you're trying to put more men outside and that the internal portion of the run game becomes that much better. And so... Anytime, again, the first thing you do when you want to know how a defense plays is look who the leading tacklers are. When Buda Baker has eight tackles and leads the team with 10 total, and then Jalen Thompson has six solos, that's a long, long day for this defense. And that's just a recipe for a team that's not going to be sustainable or win football games. And Isaiah Simmons, as far as being your number three tackler, now all of a sudden you got three in the secondary. So um, it's you look at even everything that went wrong on Sunday, Kyle, the Cardinals again still offensively had three scoring drives or potential scoring drives to send that game either into overtime or to win the ball game, yet not being able to capitalize it. And I think that's where you heard the frustration in a lot of the players' voices and even the head coach afterwards. Well, you know, I think at this point with the with the record, what you're looking for is some hope. Um, and to Drew's point, they're not they're far from being out of it. But let's be realistic. You know, they they've got to play well through this next stretch. Um, probably at worst, they've got to finish six and three. And when have they looked like a six and three team this season? I mean, they've. Uh, I don't know if this is a fact, but I would assume they've probably held the lead less than any team in the NFL at this point in the season. I mean, they keep lamenting slow starts. They keep lamenting playing from behind, not being able to run their entire playbook. And they just cannot either get or sustain a lead and capitalize on huge momentum, huge opportunities. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Um, look, Minnesota, you look at how they played, and you really can't point to you know their mistakes that cost them other than maybe their penalties, but somehow the Cardinals had so many opportunities late in that game to make a play, to sustain a drive, to, um, to win this game, or at least get back into it and, and tie the game late, and they just couldn't capitalize on those moments. I do not have the official stat, just in case you're wondering, Drew, <laughs> as far as how long the Cardinals have held a lead. They did hold a lead for just over three minutes on Sunday, but yeah, Kyle is exactly right. If they're not dead last, they're pretty close to dead last as far as either time with the lead or number of plays run with the lead. Well, you don't have the stat right now. No, not I right mean, now. Yeah, no. I mean, wait till at, at twelve oh one. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> we'll come back after the break. You'll go to your catalog. But yeah, I mean, that's part of it, right? Is being able to play with a lead. Cliff's talked about it before of how much better any offense is when you can play with a lead and how it opens things up. But at the same time, it's about players making plays and going out and doing that. Sometimes it's the structure 
structure of the offense and within the framework of that, when they're playing good, they're playing complementary football. That Even though they were going on this two-minute drive, it never felt like the game was really in the balance, right, for them to be able to say, okay, they're going to go down and score a touchdown and get a two-point conversion. It just never felt the same as it did when it was against the Raiders where they just kind of tipped the scales and it was no looking back. And unfortunately, that's the way that it's going to go. But when there is a team that you're going to go against on the other side that doesn't beat themselves it's going to be hard because then you have to go out and you have to execute you have to go win a football game as opposed to a team losing a football game and uh you know they're gonna have their hands full again this week going up against the seattle seahawks team that's done just that cardinals lost to the seahawks earlier in the season so yeah the rematch now sunday at state farm stadium which we'll touch on as we continue here on the cardinals red sea report cardinals in minnesota they trailed at the end of the first quarter trailed at halftime briefly held a lead in the third quarter 17 14 but then back-to-back touchdowns by the vikings made it 28 17 the vikings would go on to win 34 26 13 vikings points off of three Cardinal turnovers. And we'll get into that as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Want to remind you, episode 48 of the Dave Pash podcast featuring Arizona State men's basketball coach Bobby Hurley will premiere this week to catch up on past episodes. Follow the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. Craig Rayola, Drew Stanton, and Kyle Vandenbosch. We do it every Tuesday, 11 a.m. year-round. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report. We're presented by SeatGeek. Your tickets to great seats here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Snap to Murray. Drops back to the goal line. In trouble. Just hoists it deep. Middle of the field. Got a man. But it's underthrown and picked off by Harrison Smith at the 40. Here's the snap and the kick, and it's hammered toward the far side. Dorch is under it, and he muffs the punt at the 25-yard line. And I think Minnesota's got it. The Vikings do. Minnesota ball. Murray back to pass from the pocket. Throws deep middle. It's behind the target, and it's picked off. Intercepted at the 30-yard line on the far side. Returning it to the 35 and tackled. Cameron Bynum was waiting. The ball was thrown behind the intended receiver. You mentioned it earlier in the show, Kyle, as far as not all turnovers are the same. Cardinals coughed it up three times, two Kyle Murray interceptions and the muff punt. And not just if you want to rank any of these turnovers, but the underthrow on the deep ball to Robbie Anderson. That was the first play after the Vikings had retaken the lead, 21-17. So now all of a sudden the Vikings capitalized, score, and I get two touchdowns within 90 seconds. To me, it was the muff punt by Greg. Greg Dorch because you had pulled to within two, the defense had forced a three and out, and then all of a sudden forcing the punt, you lose it because Dorch can't hang on to it. Defense has got to go back out on the field, defend a short field at the 25-yard line, and the Vikings go and score and put the game away 34-26. So for me, those it for me, it's the Greg Dorch, and nothing against Greg Dorch. You've got to be able to catch that ball, but that one seemed to really tilt the game in the Vikings' favor. Yeah, you know, the other two are either, you know, a physical error uh, by Kyler Murray on the on the underthrow and, and perhaps a miscommunication on the throw to Zach Ertz. Um, this 
one, it just can't happen. I mean, you've got to be able to secure the punts. And, and look, uh, you know, we talked about this on this show. There's no bigger Greg Dortch fan in this building than probably me. So, um, it, you know, it's it's unfortunate that it happened to him. He's been a reliable player for this team, but cannot happen in that situation. And as, um, as a defender, I can tell you, um, you're riding an emotional high of getting a crucial three and out, getting the ball back for your offense, and then to have to go right back on the field, um, you know, with your backs uh, up to the end zone, um, that's that's a tough situation. It's it's deflating. Um, you know, I've taken the field in those situations many times, um, and you take the field angry. You're mad at the situation. You're mad at the offense um, because you know, for the most part, when asked to step up. That's exactly what the defense did. It's just, you know, when you're forced to go right back out there after celebrating, you know, a, a big stop, it, it's it's tough. It's tough sledding. But, um, you know, saying that, you know, that's what a good defense does. Those sudden change opportunities, a good defense steps up and, and, and rises to the occasion and does it again, and the defense wasn't able to do it. And, Drew, we had not seen this Cardinals team really turn the ball over a lot the first seven games of the regular season. Just five turnovers that was tied for the second fewest and all of a sudden in one game in one half you cough it up three times yeah well again you're playing against a good football team the one on the punt return uh, that was tremendous effort right he was trying to get back to the ball but those gunners were down the field laid it on i mean it was tremendous and there was a dogfight for the ball they just wanted it and got the football i think kyler's first one that he threw the interception was a mental and physical mistake which can't happen at this point you can't throw the ball and realize that you're putting it in harm's way because if one guy didn't pick that off the other guy was going to pick it off and if that one didn't pick it off the third guy that was there patrick peterson might have picked it off that can't happen at crucial points in the second half of the game and then the other one, uh, I just chalked that up. That's a physical one, right? That's a guy that you think that Zach Ertz is coming out at a certain angle and he kind of comes out higher or flatter and it just kind of spooks you and it changes the trajectory of your throw. That's just them not being on the same page. And, and again, it's hard because we've seen Kyler make these throws. We know he's capable of making those throws, but when there's a slight hesitation because you see him break down and come out a little bit differently, that's where it leads to a turnover and errant throws over the middle of the field are typically going to get picked off. Again, three turnovers. Vikings capitalized, turned those three turnovers into 13 points. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. That was it. You know, that was the difference in the game. Can't have those situations come up um, and win against a good team on the road, um, which is unfortunate because we have been good so far this year. Again, two turnovers by Kyler Murray, who did have three touchdown passes, but it was the two mistakes, the underthrow to Robbie Anderson, the miscommunication to Zach Ertz. Postgame, here's Kyler Murray asked about those two picks. First one, uh, shouldn't even let it go. Got hit, you know. Um, the second one, just me, me and Zach got to be on the same page. What's going on? We've seen Kyler Murray perform well. And we've seen Kyler Murray perform not so well this season. It's been an up-and-down year for the Cardinals quarterback on the heels of a contract extension in the offseason. Now, all of a sudden, Drew, things get much more magnified when you are the quarterback because you'll get all the credit, whether you deserve it or not, and you'll get all of the blame, whether you deserve it or not. Yeah, well, I mean... 
Cliff talked about it earlier in one of his sound bites. It's a work in progress because they didn't have DeAndre to start the year, and then all of a sudden you got Hollywood Brown, then you insert Robbie Anderson into this. Rondell Moore was hurt. Okay, you're thinking you're going to have James Conner. You don't. Zach Ertz is out there. You want to be able to find ways to get the ball to him. Uh, when you have all of these guys kind of in the same stratosphere as far as you want them to make plays, but you don't necessarily game plan to get them plays or you feel good about guys, there was a really good rapport that was being built between uh, Kyler and Hollywood Brown, and then he gets hurt. Luckily, you have DeAndre Hopkins coming back. I think it's still going to get figured out. The run game is the biggest thing that they've got to just make sure they do a good job of, and I don't think it's sustainable to put it all on Kyler's shoulders. Eno's proven that he can do stuff. Hopefully, James Conner, you're going to get Darrell Williams and be able to, to get a more conservative effort of rolling guys through and really establish that. That's what's going to allow Kyler to play well. And again, this offensive line's banged up. I, I, I point to one guy. As soon as Justin Pugh went out, I was like, man, this is a bad sign for this offense because when he wasn't in there they weren't playing great he was in there a veteran presence a guy that knew what he was doing played really well they were able to cover some of the stuff up with Rodney Hudson because Billy Price played well enough again is he a guy that's going to be a long-term solution who knows if they miss DJ Humphrey for an extended period of time it's going to get even more scary because you want to be feel confident in the guys that you have in front of you and Kyler's just had a revolving door up there up front right now on top of revolving door at a lot of different positions five different offensive line combinations through eight games this season for the Cardinals. Rodney Hudson has already been ruled out for this week's contest. You're not sure about who's going to be a your left tackle as far as DJ Humphreys dealing with a back injury. And then Cody Ford getting his first start last week might be your left guard once again this week. Yeah, all that being said, when you're getting paid as much money as you are and you're the franchise quarterback, it starts and stops with you. So he's got to find answers. He's got to find solutions. This is not a little kid's game anymore. He is playing with a lot of chips, and he's got to find solutions. And he's got to be a part of that solution. And whatever that is, if it's getting guys to play better than they're capable of playing, if it's simplifying some things for other guys and making sure to do it. That's why you pay somebody that amount of money because they're a difference maker not only on the field but off the field and he has to step up and show that maturation to be able to pull everybody along with him. Are you uplifting your teammates? Maybe not to your level but just uplifting their play and putting them in good positions to be successful on Sundays. I think that's what Drew is pointing to. Oh, Drew's exactly right. Um, you know, M- Kyler Murray's play is kind of a microcosm of what happens with the entire team. He plays really well through stretches. I mean, he had some of his best throws of the season in this game. He had a cover two throw to DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline. Timing was perfect. Hit him in stride through a tight window. Uh, he had another great throw late in the game to DeAndre Hopkins. You know, th- you know, another thing um, – it looked like our only chance of success in this game was to keep throwing it to DeAndre Hopkins when your next leading receiver had four catches. And look, Rondell Moore did what we've been waiting for and what we've been expecting of him. Um, he broke some tackles, you know, stuck his foot in the ground, got north and south, and willed himself to a couple of big plays. Um, but you can't always bank on that either. We know that leading up to this point, that's not always going to happen, that he's going to, you know, find some open space, break some tackles, and have a big play. Um, you know, there was very little success in the running game. There was, you know, Zach Ertz was, wasn't targeted very much when he was. He was effective. Um, it, you know, at some point right now, DeAndre Hopkins is a new novelty thing to this offense, and he looks fantastic anytime Kyler targets him. I mean, it, when you're catching almost every single ball that's thrown to you, regardless of the coverage, his touchdown catch should not have gone to DeAndre Hopkins. There's only 
probably one, maybe a couple of players in the league that can make that play, and it's DeAndre Hopkins and, um, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson because he had a catch just like that in the game as well. So, um, you know, they've got to find other answers. Other, You know, we had talked about it looked like in the Saints game, DeAndre Hopkins opened up opportunities for other players. You know, you can't tell me that some of those big runs that broke out in that game weren't because players were rolled to DeAndre Hopkins or eyeballs or at least on DeAndre Hopkins the entire time. This game, it looked like he was our entire offense. And when the ball went somewhere else, this offense couldn't move the ball and convert. Still waiting for a deep ball, too. As far as a pass over 40 yards, the Cardinals the only team that has not completed a pass of at least 40 or more yards this season. That deep ball, Kyler Murray's had success throwing that deep ball in years past. Not so much this year. Here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury. You know, we haven't been able to um, connect on the, the deep ball like we had previously. Um, that's been kind of one of our strong points. And so uh, whatever the rhythm is, um, we got to keep working at it. But we, we need to be able to push the ball down the field and hit some of those and, and try to stretch defenses moving forward. How much of that, though, Kyle, would help if you, to your point, get that run game going? Only 78 rushing yards on Sunday against the Vikings, and I think this team became really one-dimensional late in the game. The last run was with 7.32 left to go in the fourth quarter. It was pass, 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 pass. And at that point, you were still within one score, so you could still keep your entire playbook open. Yeah, uh, an effective run game would have been huge. I mean, that's what made this team one-dimensional. It wasn't trailing. It was they could not run the ball. Um and part of that is, you know, having Billy Price, having Cody Ford, and having Josh Jones. And quite honestly, it's probably the reason there wasn't more deep balls in this game because uh, the Minnesota defense saw something up the middle. They rushed Zadarius Smith over the guard or over the guard and over the center, and he was getting back there quickly. And we've talked about this before. Kyler Murray is phenomenal at a lot of things. When there's pressure up the middle, he breaks down more often than not. And there was immediate pressure up the middle because Darius Smith was beating either Billy Price or Cody Ford. So what's the solution then, Drew? If you're getting that consistent pressure up the middle, you want your quarterback to stay in the pocket, but that pocket's breaking down or it's closing in around him, then the next step is, okay, you throw the ball away, you take off and run, or is there a way to roll him out? a little bit and buy them a little bit more time. Yeah, well, I think if you know you're going up against that, right, for a game plan week, you try and change the launch point, especially if you know you're getting an internal pass rush. At the same time, you want to remain a passer to the last possible second. Look across the ball. Kirk Cousins did a phenomenal job of that, of sliding over, you know, just negating it, still remaining a passer, staying within the framework of the pocket that you have, sliding over, sliding up, staying in the pocket, and maybe that's the next step you really want to see. You can drill stuff like that and hopefully carry it over throughout the course of the week, especially if you make a concerted effort. That's one thing that we would talk about or, or identify as, hey, you're escaping always to your right, or you're doing all these little nuances, and sometimes that's the coaches, sometimes that's the backup quarterback of just subliminally telling Kyler, hey, like this is where you need to be able to do that, because he is so dynamic, but as soon as he is escaping the pocket right now, he very rarely is staying alive as a passer. I, th- I think one third down I have fresh in my mind, where Kyler did that, he did a nice job of stepping up in the pocket, things were collapsing around him. He flipped his feet beautifully and gave the ball to Eno Benjamin and converted on third down. Those are the type of plays that is kind of the game within the game where Kyler can take that next step to get these guys the opportunity to catch and run. Because right now with this offense, while you're not seeing it successful, sometimes you know you're throwing screens out on the perimeter and they're not catching run. Their feet are standing still. If we're trying to be in a second and long situation, you're trying to get five yards and they're little hook routes. Well, yeah, defenses will give you that. Where this offense can be really dynamic and we saw it on the touchdown pass 
pass to Rondell Moore is if you get him the ball in his hands while he's moving, it becomes a punt return. You get the ball in DeAndre hands while he's moving, and sometimes it's easier said than done, especially against the zone defense, but you have to be able to find ways to manufacture that, and that's on everybody in the building. Didn't see Kyler run the ball much. People are always pointing to him, taking off and being more part of the offense. He wants to throw the ball, get the ball into the hands of his playmakers. He only rushed the ball six times. Yeah, I mean, six times still, but if you think about it, right, what sticks out in my mind is as he escapes, he instantaneously became a runner in a lot of those settings as opposed to trying to keep his eyes downfield. 34-26, Cardinals lose on Sunday at Minnesota. There were some bright spots on the offense. We kind of touched on a couple of those. We'll do a deep dive on DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore. Those were the two main weapons on offense not named Kyler Murray. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by Seeky, your ticket to great seats. Craig Rayler, Drew Stanton, and Kyle Vandenbosch. We discuss all things Arizona Cardinals football each and every Tuesday, 11 a.m. here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Snap to Murray. Short set, throws left side in the end zone. One-handed catch for a touchdown by DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, my goodness. He stabbed that out of the air with his left hand, pulled it in for a huge Cardinal score. He never took the second hand of the football. Fantastic chemistry between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Those daggers, those steely knives, stabbed the pig with his left hand out of the air. Murray in shotgun takes the snap, drops back to pass, looks right, throws right, Moore caught at 30, turns right, 25-20, Moore breaks a tackle to the 10, to the 5, touchdown! There's the explosive play from Rondale Moore we have been waiting for. Between DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore, a total of 19 catches for 251 yards and two touchdowns. Unfortunately, that came in a loss. 34-26, the Minnesota Vikings. As we continue here, the second half of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seeky. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Rielu, Drew Stanton, and Kyle Vandenbosch talking about the offensive bright spots, namely DeAndre Hopkins. Once again, a 100-yard receiving game. He's played two games, Drew. He's gotten over over 100 yards receiving in those two games. He continues to be targeted time in and time again. But there's perhaps maybe can you target him too many times or are you targeting not enough because of how successful he's been? Well, I think it's, it's that happy medium. I think double digits targets is a must every single week. And it just so happens that he's catching the vast majority of them. I mean, when you catch 12 out of 13 targets, you're doing something right. It's the other guys being able to do it. It's the effect on the game. And again, I think it really boils down to is getting more creative and more balanced in your run game. You're seeing the pass game be good, but can you keep people off balance? Can you establish the run game to open up those deep shots? They're going to give you the underneath stuff. Like I said, the stationary things on first and second down to help you do that and then play quality defense on third down because they haven't been converted at a high successful rate. And saying that, you saw Rondell Moore step up a little bit and do some of the things that we were hoping for, and everybody wants to see that. Zach Ertz and Kyler have to get on the same page. When you have three guys that can kind of expand the field for you, and we're hoping that Robbie Anderson, the more he gets comfortable within this offense or the opportunity presents itself, and maybe that's more of what it is, is just giving him an opportunity to have those deep 
deep shots that's conducive and that advantageous for this offense that he hits those home runs that's where you're going to see this offense really take off and maybe it is just as simple as the offensive lines a work in progress well, Anderson only was on the field for seven snaps so I don't know how much he was even a part of the game plan on Sunday but going back to D-Hop because the one time that target was not successful it was it looked like a drop now whether part of the and I know Wolfley during the broadcast was talking about it Kyle that way the sun shines into U.S. Bank Stadium maybe part of that glare but I know if you ask Hopkins he'll say if I have my hands on it which he did a little bit and he dropped it he needs to pull that in at least that's what he'll tell you but I'm just thoroughly impressed after missing the first six weeks and not seeing a lot of work in training camp or preseason all of a sudden you plug him in and it's like he's never left yeah, it's what's impressive is the chemistry between Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, it, it seems to me watching the game that DeAndre Hopkins is the only player Kyler targets before he comes out of his break. Like he has so much trust that I'm going to put the ball over here and DeAndre Hopkins is going to run underneath it and make the play. Everybody else needs to be open for a a second before Kyler will throw it to him, um, and it's it, it just looks like these two have spent the entire off season, the entire part of this season working together. I mean, it's it's really impressive. Uh, it, it, I mean, even going back to that Saints game, um, several of the targets to DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he was still had his eyes downfield. He hadn't hadn't come out of his break, hadn't turned his head, and there were other players open. But Kyler was confident that if I put the ball out in front, DeAndre Hopkins is going to make a play, and he keeps doing it. And and you know we we all know after watching Kyler Murray for you know three and a half years now, he develops chemistry with players and he develops a trust and he will continue going to that player. Um, and so you know you can expect it. Um, you know I, I I was hoping for more targets because like I said, it seemed like our best chance of success in this game was just to continually throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins regardless of the coverage. He's always open Drew even when he's covered we hear that a lot but it's safe to say because you throw the ball to him either he's going to get it or he's going to make sure the defender doesn't get it there's there's not much risk when you throw the ball to number 10 yeah no you feel good about it but I would even go back to his time in Houston right it didn't matter Deshaun Watson who's a great quarterback in this league but when guys like Tom Savage played he would just make plays I mean I remember being down there and Patrick Peterson covering him and trying to negate what he does well it doesn't matter he yeah he you have supreme confidence much like Larry Fitzgerald right being able to play with that guy from a quarterback's perspective and to what Kyle's talking about right you let that ball go because you know what his catch radius is just different there's not many people maybe two three guys in this entire league that you have the supreme confidence in them when you let it go I mean I would argue Justin Jefferson might be the only other one I mean Tyreek Hill you know Cooper Cup all those guys are capable they're very good at what they do but when you feel good about just throwing it up to him and say no matter what to your point he's either going to come down with it or it's going to hit the turf you feel real good about that those type of odds and I don't think it's as much as chemistry between him and Kyler that matters. I think it's just him being that talented. 12 catches on 13 targets for 159 yards. Here's the head coach Cliff Kingsbury on D-Hop. Anytime you know the ball goes his way, you expect him to catch it. He's that type of a talent, that type of a player, and definitely brings a, a dynamic element to our offense. And It's unfortunate we couldn't get him a few more there at the end. 
Hopkins' performance did open up things a little bit for Rondell Moore, who had seven catches for 92 yards. Once again, another quality performance by Rondell Moore against the Minnesota Vikings. You go back a year ago, Moore in Week 2, seven catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown against Minnesota. Rondell Moore earlier this week, though, asked about how Hopkins is helping not only on the field but off the field. A ton on the field, off the field. Uh, he just has a great feel for the game. He does a good job of like breaking things, especially watching film, like the day after the game, just saying like this is what they do. If they do these hand signals, this is what they mean. This is where you should be, and this guy will have you if you do this. He'll take me if I do this. So uh, he does a lot of different things and, and looks at the game from from a quarterback perspective, in my opinion. He likes to know the reads of like who's the first read, who's the second read. Um, getting your depth on this route um, is important just because you're the last and progression and things like that. So uh, it does a good job of just helping everyone else have a better understanding of what's going on. On Moore's 38-yard touchdown, the play call that we heard coming into this segment, Kyle, from Dave Pash, that's what we've been waiting for. You get the ball in Rondell Moore's hands in space, not horizontal to the line of scrimmage, but downfield, whether that's 5 or 10 yards, and then let him do what he does best. We saw that a little bit more on Sunday. And now the question is, can we see it a lot more moving forward? Yeah, it's it's what we've all been looking for. Like you said, uh, you know, he catches uh, up to this point. He's catching the majority of his passes with his shoulders toward the sidelines. And when you're doing that, you give defenders, uh, you know, you give backside defenders, you give your safeties an opportunity to close on him. You know, he, he doesn't have those lanes. You can see how effective he is when he's going north and south and how quickly he can eat up grass and how shifty he is in the open field where he's not having to dodge people while he's going laterally or horizontally he's dodging people while with the head of steam going north and south and 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 you know Patrick Peterson you know he's, he's never been a great tackler but he had an opportunity he had him by the shirt and he just powered his way through it lost a part of his t-shirt but he got a touchdown I think it was worth it Rondell Moore also had a 27 yard catch and run on that scoring drive and uh, yeah I'm sure he'll give up part of his t-shirt for a score which at that point made it 28 28- 23 late in the third quarter. Again, the Cardinals could not seal it, close it out. They lose to the Vikings 34-26. But now it's turn the page, focus on week nine. The unofficial halfway point of the season, if you will, with 17 games, it's really more difficult to kind of hit that halfway point. But the Cardinals this week host the Seattle Seahawks, and we'll discuss that as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And if you're looking for tickets for this week or any of the remaining home games, single-game tickets are available now. Go to azcardinals.com slash tickets for more information. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Big third down for the Cardinals. A minute to go here in the third. Third and five for the Vikings on their 30. Shotgun snap to Cousins. Straight drop back. In trouble. Hit. Ball is fumbled. Isaiah Simmons chopped it out, and Isaiah Simmons recovers it. What a play. Two plays by Isaiah Simmons. He strips the ball, and then he recovers it big time by the former top 10 pick. The X Factor. Isaiah Simmons came on a blitz, beat his man, got his left paw out, and knocked the pig away from Cousins. A strip sack for Isaiah Simmons. And you thought that play 
with the Cardinals trailing 28-23. You get the ball back. Cardinals did score points, but it was a Matt Prater field goal instead of a touchdown after that bad snap, premature snap. Cardinals do come away with points after that strip sack fumble recovery by Isaiah Simmons. He also had five tackles. Simmons earlier this week when addressing the media talked about how much he hates losing as opposed to more than he likes winning. Cardinals do not get the W in Minnesota. Now the question is can they get the W this week when they host the Seattle Seahawks? Here's Isaiah Simmons on the importance of an NFC West matchup this week. You know, this is definitely the most important game, really just because it's the next game. But um, just understanding that, you know, we still can write our destiny. So, you know, I think everybody understands what the importance of this game is and what it can do for us. You got the Seahawks, the Rams, 49ers, three straight division games beginning this week with Seattle in town. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And at 3-5, and five, Drew, you win all three, win two of the three. You've put yourself right back within the division and perhaps with the way things are going in the conference in the NFC where, right, uh, NFC overall. Yeah, uh, I think the big thing is you got to protect the nest. That's what it comes down to. They, they got off the schneid two weeks ago being able to do that against the Saints. Being able to sit there and say, we have to win our home games. We have to ride this wave of momentum. And it has to start with just getting one win against a quality football team, right? The, the beginning of the year, I talked about it on the show before. Your main objective, your main priority is to win the division. You have to win division games. You have to be able to do that consistently. And you've got to beat a, a football team that beat you just a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of familiarity there. Anything that you didn't run that week, maybe you try to get to. Obviously, you're inserting DeAndre Hopkins back into this game plan and feeling really good about that but at the same time it's going to be a dogfight it always is against the Seahawks it's going to come down to one or two plays can you make that play and really be able to find a way to win a football game that's all they need to do they need to get that sense of what it feels like to win again uh, because they've lost more than they've won this year and it's just You've got to win one before you can start going on a run and worrying about, yes, people will talk about this is a huge three-game stretch. This is a huge game right now because right now, as you look at this, not only in this division, but in the NFC in general, as you start looking at wild card and all of these different things, your margin of error just continually shrinks. And every loss, the, the light just gets a little bit more dim. Week six, Cardinals lost at Seattle 19-9. Cardinals did a good job on Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Kenneth Walker the third, 97 rushing yards. And Geno Smith is playing very, very well this season for Seattle. Yeah, even though this game was just a short time ago, it's it's really two different teams. Like you talked about, um, Kenneth Walker has shown he can be a you know a workhorse type running back. Um, the Seattle defense has really stepped up, only giving up 225 last week against the Giants, and that was a liability last time. And the Cardinals are a completely different team because DeAndre Hopkins is on the field. Four times the Cardinals had the ball inside the Seattle 30-yard line in Week Six. They came away with just three points. Maybe D-Hop makes all the difference. We'll find out on Sunday. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Special thanks behind the scenes. Our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Amandro, technical director, Lauren Koval. For Drew Stanton, Kyle Vandebosch, I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, 
Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. 